Hello and welcome to our brand new Historia podcast with me, Jack Pettit, and our resident historian, Paul Fletcher. This is episode two of our Cold War series, and today we're going to be looking at the Yalta Conference of February 1945. Hello, Fletch. Hi. So, again, really quickly, briefly just set the scene for us. Okay, so this is the second of the three great conferences for the Grand Alliance. It's held at Yalta, which is a uh, seaside resort in the Soviet Union on the Black Sea. You're talking about uh, Crimea here? That's right, the Crimea. Um, all three of the big three leaders attended in person. That's Roosevelt, Churchill and Stalin. In terms of the context of what was going on, then February 1945, the war hadn't been won against Germany, but everyone knew it was near. Japan was another question. Japan was putting up a lot of stiff resistance on the islands in the Pacific. And so therefore people were thinking the war in Japan was going to go on an awful long time and very costly. Um, I suppose the other thing that's worth noticing is that at that time, Roosevelt was very ill and when he attended the conference. Um, so therefore the focus was on more on ending World War II but a beginning of an awareness that there would be uh, questions that had to be answered about the future of Europe after the defeat of Germany. But still, enough of the glue there that we talked about in the first podcast to hold the Grand Alliance together because there were still the two enemies to beat. Mm. I think it's important noting the relationship between Roosevelt and Churchill here. They've got quite a positive relationship, which we see develop at uh, Tehran and now still at Yalta. So let's get into it. What is the importance of the Yalta conference for starting the Cold War? Okay, so I would say say to you that I think there are sort of four big things that are decided at Yalta, but equally important is to recognise that in some ways, some of the crucial issues that had to be faced were sort of booted down the road until later on, because some questions actually could not be solved very easily, and people therefore wanted to put off making those decisions until the war had been won. So and those decisions come back at Potsdam, which is a bit later, do. but... They do, and then even after Potsdam as well. Um, I think what's also crucial to say is going back to your reference to personal relationships is that also not only did Roosevelt and Churchill have a good personal relationship, but certainly Stalin and Roosevelt seem to have had a reasonable relationship as well. And as much as one can ever say this of Stalin, Stalin seems to have trusted Roosevelt to a reasonable degree. And certainly Roosevelt tried to make a big effort to understand things from Stalin's point of view. So more of that probably in our next podcast. So basically, I'm going to link a few things together and try to explain how they are important for the development of the Cold War, the start of the Cold War. Um, but maybe before I do that, maybe we should think about this concept of importance, how we're going to judge importance and evaluate importance. So I would suggest that if uh, a decision or an event has a short term consequence and also a long term consequence, then I think we can argue that that event or that decision is of great importance to the Cold War. 
So what am I going to link together? I'm going to link first of all together the decisions that were taken at the conference to do with Germany and Berlin. So the decisions that were taken was that in some way, Germany, once it had been defeated, would be divided into four zones or four sectors, the eastern zone being given to the Soviet Union and the three western zones being given to Britain, America and France. And then the decision about Berlin was that Berlin, the capital of Germany, which actually was going to be quite clearly within the Soviet sector, because it's way to the west, uh, to the east, sorry, then that would also be divided, just like Germany as a whole, into four sections with an eastern section and three western sections or sectors. Now, I think that that is important for the start of the Cold War because, well, actually, on the surface, it looks as though this should not be a cause of the Cold War because this seems to be an example of how the Grand Alliance is working very, very well. And if you think about it, you know, Stalin was actually making a decision here to allow the Western powers to be in Berlin, which was clearly made as an attempt to make the Grand Alliance a success because Stalin was under no obligation to do this and it's way in the eastern sector so he could have just said sorry but I've captured Berlin or I will be capturing Berlin I'll be doing the hard work you know you guys I'm gonna take it all for myself so tough and that actually ironically will be the attitude of the Americans when they capture Tokyo they don't let anybody else share or have a zone within Tokyo they take it all for themselves not even Britain not even Britain not even Britain. <clears throat> but I would still argue that despite that, that these two decisions were going to have a short-term and long-term uh, impact and help to both cause and then uh, worsen the Cold War. So in the short term, what they did was that they forced the Allies, the Grand Alliance, to work together or to continue to work together after World War II. You, you couldn't make it work, the future of Germany work in isolation. So, you know, they had to be worked together for, for in terms of reparations and, uh, you know, trade across the various sectors, whatever it's gonna be, okay? And likewise within Berlin, you've got to work together. If you're gonna have all four powers working within Berlin, the capital of Germany, within a Soviet zone, they've got to work together. The problem was, that of course, post-war, once the glue had been removed, they couldn't work together. So for example, the question of reparations became very, very controversial. Um, and then of course, uh, Stalin began to regret the fact that he got Western powers you know, within his Soviet zone. Uh, also currency, what were they gonna do about new currency? Well, of course that became a flashpoint. Um, and so therefore, there were lots and lots of different issues which cropped up between 1947 up to 1948, sorry, between 1945 and then up to 1948, all of which, rather than proving the Grand Alliance could work, actually did the, did the reverse. It undermined the Grand Alliance. And that culminated in Stalin, for what he thought were very good reasons, uh, that justify this action, imposing a blockade upon Berlin in an attempt to force the Western powers out, which of course then was met by the airlift in as a response. Um, and that then had 
profound consequences for the development of the Cold War, as we'll look at in the further podcast. So you're saying one reason why Yalta is important for the starting of worsening relations Mm -hmm. is the decisions made about Germany and Berlin, in particular Berlin, because Berlin's blockaded. Because they make that decision then, that actual fact what should be a success turns into a cause of failure. Right. Because they're unable to do what is needed to be done, i.e. cooperation. You can only, if you're going to divide Germany up and Berlin up, you've got to be able to cooperate with each other. And that proves beyond them. And that failure to cooperate then undermines the very existence of the Grand Alliance. So that's that's one thing. And then, of course, in the longer term, the division of Germany and the division of Berlin then also produces longer term uh, causes of the worsening of the uh, Cold War. So the most obvious example being you know, the unrest in Eastern Germany and Berlin in 1953, the building of the Berlin Wall, you know, in 1961, the Checkpoint Charlie crisis, um, uh, e- even down to the late, you know, late seven, late eighties, when Ronald Reagan is standing there, you know, tear down this wall, Mr. Gorbachev. The whole idea of this division of uh, Germany into East and West, and the division of Berlin into East and West, represents in some way Soviet oppression, as far as the Western powers are concerned. So that's one decision. The other decision which was taken, which equally was important, both in the short term and long term, which are linked, was the fact that on the one hand, all of the allied powers signed up to this idea that there would be free and fair elections in the liberated countries. In other words, the countries have been free from Nazi Germany. The other decision which was taken was the, an acceptance, and it was agreed by all three powers, that the Soviet Union would have Eastern Europe as a sphere of influence. Now, right, on. so I mean, there's two decisions there that are quite contradictory. Well, they are, they are, and that's because, that's because there were contradictory aims there, because particularly the Americans wanted to ensure that there was a spread of democracy post-war, whereas of course for the Soviet Union and Stalin, what they wanted to ensure was that they were not invaded for a third time in the 20th century, particularly by Germany. So the contradiction comes when they agree for free elections, which is ultimately anti-communist, and at the same time that Eastern Europe would be a sphere of influence? Well, the problem, the problem was going to be was that inevitably, if you had free elections in Eastern Europe, it wouldn't just result in anti-communist uh, governments, but they would produce anti-Russian governments. That was inevitable. Um, particularly, I mean, we've got, to, we've got to mention here Poland in particular, because Poland was a, an especially important uh, cause of tension within this area because on the one hand Poland had been the sort of highway through which the Germans had invaded Russia twice so as far as um, as far as Stalin was concerned you know he had to make sure that Poland was going to be controlled by a friendly pro-Soviet pro-Russian government the Lublin Poles whereas for the West and particularly Churchill here, because of course Churchill had declared war, sorry, Britain had declared war in 39 over Polish independence. Churchill felt a real sort of emotional connection to this issue. So therefore for the West, they wanted to see a free, democratically elected Polish government. 
based around the London polls, okay, and of course, inevitably, those were going to be anti-Russian, which Stalin couldn't allow because of the, his own security. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's understandable, right? You're, you're, Poland's been a route to Russia twice. Yeah. So, so why wouldn't Russia, um, Stalin want Poland as what we might refer to as a buffer zone? You know, it, of course he... Yeah, but, but, but that, that's the problem, you see. From Stalin's point of view, that seems perfectly reasonable. From, and therefore what he expected was that the Brits and the Americans would understand that and the elections that they were held, if they weren't properly democratic elections, well, they wouldn't mind that. But of course, and, and to be fair to Stalin, he was prepared to allow the West to have its own sphere of influence, for example, in, um, in Greece, for example, agreed that Greece, which had a strong communist party, would not be, would, would be left as part of the Western area. Um, but from Stalin's point of view, this sort of national security, this, this defensive need seemed quite reasonable. And he thought the West understand that, understood that. Of course, from the American point of view, then that seemed to be actually not the case. What they thought Stalin was committing to was what they said on tin, free and fair elections. Now, we'll never know what would have happened if Roosevelt had stayed alive because there's a suggestion that Roosevelt got this, understood this, um, that from Stalin's, more from Stalin's point of view. The problem is that in April, Roosevelt died and was replaced by Truman. We'll talk more about Truman in the next podcast, but essentially Truman was a lot more sort of straightforward, black and white in his views about the Soviet Union. He was very fiercely anti-communist. And as far as he was concerned, the failure of the Soviet Union to keep its promises to hold free and fair elections inside Eastern Europe was just a sign of the fact that you couldn't trust the Soviet Union and the Soviet Union was expansionist. And so therefore, this failure of the Soviet Union to keep its promises was a key sort of background factor in making Truman and the Americans believe that the Soviets could not be trusted and the only way to therefore deal with them was to get tough. Mm. And likewise on the Soviet side, Stalin came to see that the American behavior and the British behavior on this was sort of like, you know, they weren't really recognizing and keeping their side of the bargain and recognizing what it could mean through. And so the Yalta agreements here about this matter, about free and fair elections and security sphere of influence, what they did was to in very quickly in 1945 and into 1946 to undermine the whole sense of trust and goodwill that were necessary to make the Grand Alliance work. And of course, continue to work. And continue to work, yeah. So, fantastic, brilliant. Just in 30 seconds, summarise why Yalta is important for, for starting the Cold War. Okay, so Yalta is important for starting the Cold War. Number one, because Germany and Berlin become ways of undermining the ability, showing, causing issues that makes the Grand Alliance not work, and then beyond that, in the longer term, give issues which will divide the East and West and cause points of tension. 
and the issue of sphere influence and free and fair elections is fundamental in undermining the trust that was needed to make the Grand Alliance work and seeing the, each side as enemy rather than as potential allies. Fantastic. Right, thank you so much. That's fine. Next time we'll be looking at the um, last, I suppose, last big conference happening in uh, uh, July 45, which is, of course, Potsdam. So thanks for joining us. Thank you.